0: closed and your hands fail. raised. Can you proclaim that right now? He won't leave you. no, he won't fail. Maybe you've questioned that over the last several days fail. or several weeks. He won't fail. I've come to tell you, you serve a he faithful won't God today. Leave you. No, I've come to no, remind you today. Fail. You serve an undefeated King this morning. He won't fail. You need to let the devil he know he won't fail. fail. Your doubt and all of your fear, you need him to remind it today he, won't, he fail. won't fail. Yeah. He won't fail. I'm leaning on you, I'm trusting won't you won't in fail. your God. right now. Come on, did you come into church today to magnify, glorify Him? Hallelujah. I was created to worship Him, and that is what I'm going to do. You're worthy today, Jesus. You're worthy today, God. Hallelujah, (laughs) hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to your name everybody say amen 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 the word amen is an affirmation of what we've heard what we felt when we say amen we are affirming that Amen. we are reminding ourselves not only is it true but it is most certainly true there is no doubt in what we just said There is no deviation in what we just said. There is no small print or clauses. When we say he won't fail, we can say amen because it's every word of it true. Thank God. So good to see each of you in the house of the Lord today. Amen. God bless you. I want to say thank you for, man, what an incredible gift. I I know if, if you're not into... Uh, long-distance hiking or the insanity of what I do every year you may not understand what a great gift that was but that might be the best gift I've ever received from the church that is an incredible um, backpack when you're going to hike 50 or 60 miles at one time uh, every ounce counts and the kind of backpack you carry matters it's everything it's literally everything and that that's an incredible gift so thank you so very much i don't deserve that amen uh, but you guys are awesome thank you so very much i love you thank you so much I want to take a moment to recognize our youth team our youth team was here all night friday night for a lock-in i've been a part of youth ministry and i know that is well uh, that's not for the weak of heart when you hang out here all night uh, with kids pounding Mountain Dews and going crazy uh, so thank you I know we had some uh, the, our youth team uh, brother and sister Vasquez and I know they had some folks helping them amen uh, Bethany and Andrew I think they they helped as well and I don't know who all but thank you you guys did great and as a pastor I came in today there were no walls torn down there was nothing the church building didn't collapse I mean so thank you for that mm-hmm generally after a youth lock-in I just go to the office Monday morning call the insurance and just say all right I don't know what's going on here but you might want to come check it out but I I, I think you guys done good Uh, brother and sister Vasquez thank you so very much looking forward to next week Um, no the next two weeks our new steeple is supposed to be delivered we're excited about that we had a Pretty tough storm here that we had a team that was decorating for VBS. Some of them had just come in, just come in from the building, and the steeple fell off right where they were standing. And uh, so, boy, if that won't make you get right with God, nothing will. And so, I'd recommend just don't leave in the church, just stay right here. Just steeple's falling off everywhere, but uh, we're getting a new steeple and excited about that. Thank you so very much for your consistent giving, allowing that to happen. Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10 and verse 43. But so shall it not be among you. It's not going to be that way with you. But whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister. And whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be your servant of all. Notice where verse 45 says. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. To give his life a ransom for many. Today I want to minister to you for a few minutes today on the greatest of all time. There's an acronym that's popular now, the GOAT, the greatest of all time. Today we're going to talk about the GOAT, the greatest of all time amen let's pray together god we thank you for your presence for your spirit that we've already felt here thank you for those that have gathered here today i am praying that you would minister through your word strengthen people amen challenge people today we've come today to your house to be challenged to grow to be more like you god help us to do that through your word in the mighty name of jesus we pray tell someone next to you it's good to see you in church today you may be seated I want to say thank you to brother david pina today for helping out with my powerpoint it will be clear to you very soon that i am not the one who done that probably because all the words are spelled right and it's not doesn't look like a fifth grader did it so thank you my brother so i want to settle it once for all let's go ahead and get this out there right now who is the greatest of all time Uh, If you were here at the lock-in, you could probably get into a very heated discussion on a few of these categories, on who the GOAT is, the greatest of all time. So if we're talking about basketball, basketball, who's in the camp that Michael Jordan is the greatest of all time when it comes to basketball? That's probably going to be me. But there are a few out there that think LeBron James is the greatest of all time, who's ever tossed a basketball in. Maybe you're of that small minority. What about Messi or Ronaldo? Who's in the Messi camp? Who's in the Ronaldo camp? Who don't know who either one of those people are? (laughs) All of our Spanish people are like, oh, Lord, so uncultured. Come to All Nation Sunday, and we can culture a little more next Sunday night. Be here for All Nation Sunday morning and Sunday night. And bring a little culture to your life. What about superheroes? If Batman and Superman got in a fight, who's going to win that one? <laughs> it's not Superman. Old school right there. <laughs> all those old folks, Batman, no way. They're the greatest of all time superheroes. All right, what about money? Bill Gates or Elon Musk? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's greatest of all time in terms of currency. What about us old guys who golf? Steve, who's the greatest, Nicholas or Tiger? I'm going to have to say Nicholas, but I'm going to say Tiger's pretty good. I'm a Nicholas man, but that might be just because I'm old. But you know what? When it comes to the kingdom of God, God has different standards about what makes you great. So, when it comes to living for God and actually what matters, because the reality of it is every person I listed right there has probably not done anything significant when it comes to eternal proportions. When they stand before God, they can say their name and what they've done on this earth, and it will not mean anything because they will have to stand next to a godly old lady who dedicated her life completely to God. And I promise you what they have achieved and what they have done on this earth in terms of worldly standards will not matter. In fact, in Mark's gospel, chapter 10, Jesus said that this world wants to, and they like to show you their greatness. Uh, People in this world like to show you how great they are. Humility is a difficult thing to find these days. In fact, in Mark chapter 10, they were actually having a conversation about status, who was the greatest. Who uh, had achieved the highest level of status in that particular time? Verse 43, it was even said the great ones in their time like authority, they enjoy their authority. Those that have authority in today's society, sometimes they like it more than they should. It brings them status, it brings them prestige. They like to lord over people, as it was mentioned in Mark chapter 10. Jesus said, this world, they like to show you their greatness. Look at my shoes. See my car. What's the kids say today? See my fit. See my fit. I have no idea what that means, but I hear them say it. See my post. Right? How about this? You old folks, I know you do this too. See my vacation." Come on, somebody. See me taking a picture of me acting like I'm reading a book on the beach when I know I have not even turned one page of this book. But I'm going to take a picture like I am. This one drives me crazy, but I see it all the time. See my $10 coffee. I'm going to take a picture and post about it. (laughs) (laughs) All right? See my $20 lunch. Let me show you my greatness. Let me show you what I've achieved. Let me show you what I've gained. But you know, we read in Mark 10 and 43 through 45, what did he say? Not so with you. Not so with you. Turn to your neighbor and say, not so with you. Some of you are like, yeah, actually it is with them. (laughs) Maybe I should say, it should not be so with you. (laughs) It should not be. Because in the kingdom of God, this is very important, in the kingdom of God, greatness is service not status in the kingdom of god greatness is service and not status why because it is absolutely and utterly impossible to love jesus without serving people you cannot say you love jesus and you don't serve people You cannot separate the two. If you love Jesus, you will serve people. And if you don't love Jesus, and I can promise you, no matter how much you state it, no matter how much you say it, no matter how many bumper stickers you got on your car, no matter what you proclaim, if you love Jesus, you're going to serve people. Can I remind today somebody that greatness is not gifting? Greatness is not personality. Greatness is not charisma. Greatness is not authority. Greatness is achieved and maintained by serving people that God created and God loves. Greatness is not status. Greatness is serving. It was just before the... Passover festival in John 13 and 1, it said that Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world, and having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Someone say to the end. To the end. He had but a few hours to live, knowing he knew that he had just a little while to live. What did he do? What would you do if the doctor said you got one week to live? One week. Now, you're perfectly healthy right now. It's not like you've deteriorated. You can't do anything or your health has declined. You feel great. Your body's healthy, but you got one week to live. What would you do in that one week? Jesus literally had just a handful of hours left to live, and yet he gives his life in that moment to others. What would you do? in those hours what would you live or experience or enjoy man i want to go see something i've never seen i want to go do something i've never done well i want to tell you what jesus did he didn't go on vacation he didn't go on a massive spending spree jesus chose to spend the final hours on this earth with his closest friends and john tells us that jesus loved them how did he love them He loved them to the end. Did you know that in the Greek language it actually means to the fullest? or to the uttermost, not just to the end of his life, but Jesus loved them with everything that was within them, without reservation, without hesitation, knowing they were not perfect, knowing they had flaws and mistakes, and they were human. He still loved them to the end, to the end. It doesn't just mean that he loved them to the end of his life. It literally means there was no end to his love. He loved them to the fullest extent. Now, that's what's amazing about Jesus is that he doesn't just state his love. How many know it's so easy just to state your love? Oh, I love you. But he shows his love. It's so much more difficult to show your love than it is just to state your love. He shows it in one of the most personal, meaningful, and powerful ways you could ever imagine. We read in our text today, it says that Jesus, in our scripture reading, we read that Jesus got up from the meal. He got up. Someone said, got up. He got up. Why? Why? Because he wanted to do more than just state his love. He wanted to show it. He showed it in an incredible way. Jesus got up from the meal. He took off his outer clothing. He wrapped a towel around his waist. And then he poured water into a basin. And he began to wash his disciples' feet. That's how he spent his last few hours on the earth. I mean, who does that? You got a a week to live. Okay, let me see whose feet I can wash. Let me see who I can serve. Let me see who I can give to. Let me see who I can give to that may not even deserve it. Who does that? I'll tell you who. The greatest of all time. That's who. The one who illustrates and exemplifies that greatness is service and not status. Two verses in, we see Jesus doing seven specific acts of service. John chapter 13 and verse 4. So Jesus got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, poured water into a basin, began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a the towel. That was wrapped around him. That's how he spent his final few hours. He washed his disciples' feet. He dried their feet with a towel. Jesus, in just a moment of time, literally did seven specific different acts of service to show that he loved his disciples to the absolute fullest extent. To the end, he showed them his love. What I want you to notice is today is the first thing that Jesus did. In these seven acts of service... The first thing he did is he got up. It seems so simple in that moment, but when you really think about it, I want you to picture the disciples lounging around at a Passover meal. They didn't sit at a table like you and I may sit at. In that particular time, they would sit around a table called a triclinium, and it was basically they were lounging out. They were laid back. Now, it would kind of seem weird or uh, informal if I went to your house and we went into the living room and we just kind of laid back on couches and ate. But back then, that's what they would do. They would kind of uh, lay back in what would now be a strange and informal way but would be totally appropriate for their time. But let me tell you what they would be able to see in that way of eating everyone's feet. How would you like that? Hey, you know what? Let's have a meal together. And let's just stick our dirty feet up here. (laughs) I'm going to pass on that one. But in that time, that was something that would be easily visible and easily seen. And so Jesus is lounging at the table, celebrating the Passover. One of the later moments of his life, he's eating with the disciples who had dirty feet. Now, seeing feet while you're eating, I guess, is bad enough. Imagine dirty feet imagine dirty feet i can't think of anything more unappealing or undesirable than to sit around and eat and look down at people's dirty feet now it's not like they had to look under the table as they were positioned and laid back in this customary way in which they ate it would have been visible and seen by everybody now Can I tell you in this moment, in that moment, Jesus did something incredible. The first thing he did, the first act of service, he got up. He got up. To enjoy a life that is meaningful and full of purpose, to enjoy a life that's challenging and exciting, can I tell you that you have to be willing to get up? You have to be willing to move from where you are at and meet the challenge of service. It may seem like a simple thing in that moment, but we had a room full of people with dirty feet and the king of the earth, the creator of all things, got up from where he was at and he said, I see a need. I see something that needs to be done. I see something that is not right. I have the ability to fix it. I'm going to take care of it. And he began to wash the feet of his disciples. Now, it begs the question why everybody else didn't see it and get up. We'll we'll approach that in just a minute. What I do know is he's the greatest of all time for a reason. Because he said, I'm not too good to serve others. I'm not too good to get up in this moment and move from my place of being comfortable, my place of position and prestige. He got up from where he was at and he began to serve those around you. I want to challenge someone here today. It can at times be very simple, but can also be very difficult. Even you being at church here today, at some point you say, you know what? It would be nice to lay in bed. It would be nice to sit on the back porch and sip." coffee. It would be nice just to stay in my pajamas today, but i got to get up today because there are people there that I know I'm going to bless by being there. I've got to shake hands at the front door. I've got to sing on the platform. I've got to sit next to the one that I sit next to. I want to strengthen and challenge them. And not only that, I've got to give God some glory today, so i got to get up. Nobody ever changed the world or changed their world by sitting around, complaining and criticizing, scrolling through social media. Somebody that changed the world decided they got to get up. Jesus said, hey, are we just going to sit around here with dirty feet or somebody going to get up? And so he got up and he began to wash feet. Nehemiah 2 and 18 says about rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem, let us rise up and build. Proverbs 24 and 16, for a just man falleth seven times, but what? He riseth up again. You've got to be willing to get up. You have to get up from your excuses. You've got to get up from your apathy. You've got to get up from misplaced priorities in your life and determine, I'm going to do what must be done. You know what the enemy tells you all the time? Well, somebody else would be more qualified to do it somebody else could do a better job of it somebody else should be doing this was that the approach that the greatest of all time took nope everybody in the room should have done it but him but he didn't even bother mentioning that he said you know what I'm a servant to all the greatest shall be the least and be a servant to all and so he got up quit making excuses right Quit looking around for somebody who's more qualified. If you see a need, meet it. Get up from where you're at and say, hey, I'm going to be involved. I'm going to do it. I'm going to be in, in, in the middle of what that, that God is calling me to do in this moment. Do <laughs> you know those that become great? And I would say this is applicable for any area of life, but certainly in the kingdom of God. Those that become great are not talented or gifted way beyond anyone else. You know what they do? They do what others will not. It's very simple. I want to tell all of our young adults here today that are starting your career, and I've talked to you before, and you're worried about, can I be successful in my career? Am I smart enough? Let me just tell you how to be successful, wildly successful in this world. It's so easy. Just do what others will not. It's so easy. I don't care what job. You can go to work at McDonald's, and if you'll do what others will not, in six months you'll be the manager down there. And so it is in the kingdom of God. Quit looking around for somebody more qualified, somebody that could do a better job, somebody else that should be doing it. Just get up and say, I see a need. I'm going to meet it. I see something that needs to be done, and I'm going to help do it. And in that becomes an act of service that elevates you in the eyes of God. And so I'm also reminded today what happens when a body doesn't move. What happens when you sit in one place for too long? Right? What happens to your legs when you sit on your legs too long? Your limbs fall asleep, right? You get up and you're tingling. You can't move. Well, I want to tell you, the body of Christ also falls asleep when they're not moving. You wonder why pastor preaches hard sometimes and why he kind of pokes and prods and he steps on your toes a little bit because I know you will spiritually fall asleep if you're not serving. I know that you'll spiritually fall asleep right there on the pew. I have to remind you the body was built to serve. The body was built to move. The body was put on this earth to serve people, to help people, to advance the kingdom of God through serving. The church is not great because of a building or a choir or preaching or because of your suit and your tie and your clothes and you call yourself a Christian, that don't mean nothing. What makes the body great is we love people and we serve people and we give selflessly to our community. That's what makes us great. And if we're not doing that, we're just a club. Come on, we're just another club, another social, something for somebody to come and spend time. We are on this earth to serve. Don't be offended when you're treated like a servant. That's why you're here. That's why we're here. And so if we don't do that, we'll fall asleep. And what happens if, a, if an appendage, if your arm loses circulation and falls asleep for too long? What happens? Falls off. I can tell you. I was hanging upside down in a tree for four hours. No circulation in my legs. The doctor said, you've had no blood flow in those legs. You're never going to walk again. What happens? When the members of this body are not moving and serving and engaged, volunteering, getting in the middle of what God is doing, you fall asleep and then you eventually fall off. You've got to understand hey, this ain't helping the church, this is helping me. When I'm volunteering, when I'm helping, and when I'm serving, it ain't the church that's just being blessed. I'm being blessed. So you're welcome. <laughs> You worked really hard. You're welcome. What's the second thing he did? He took off his outer clothing. Jesus took off his outer clothing and wrapped a servant's towel around his waist. Now, what is interesting is he removed what was on the outside so you could then begin to see what was on the inside of him. He became vulnerable. He removed pretenses and titles and positions and prestige. None of that should be a part of the church. You know what sickens people about churches nowadays? Politics. I'm just being honest with you. When they come in here and they see in here what they're tired of seeing out there. When they come in here and you're so wrapped up in yourself and your position and your title and what they call you around this church and you think you're a big honcho and you're too good to do that, Jesus said, I ain't too good and I'm about to save the whole world. I'm the greatest of all time. I'm taking off my outer clothing. I'm putting on the clothing of a servant and I'm going to serve everyone that's in this room. What will win our world and what will turn our world upside down and impact our community and our family and our friends is when we dispense with power politics and we dispense with titles and prestige and it don't matter who you are you're willing to serve you're willing to get involved you're willing to get engaged that's why i love our pastoral team here so much every single one of them are servants they don't get a paycheck we ain't got a, a person on staff gets a paycheck and they deserve them don't be, don't get me wrong but they do it because they want to be servants. You come here to a work day, our last work day, I took a picture of it, and I should have had it up on the screen tonight, but our last work day, there was one particular time when all of our pastors right in front of the church and every one of them, I mean, were just sweating to beat the band. They were shoveling mulch. They were working, and they're the pastors of the church. Why? Because in a real church, in a church that, that can reach their community and really make a difference, there shouldn't be a title or position or prestige that puts you in a place where you don't think you're good enough or you too good to do certain things. I'm not too good for a shovel. I'm not too good for a plunger. I'm not too good for, to clean because at the end of the day, I'm called to serve. I'm called to serve God's people. I'm served c- God's community. That's why I'm here. Metaphorically speaking, if people could see who we really are behind the outer garments, behind the Christian mask, behind the superficial layer that we so often hide behind, what would they really see? You've heard me say this before, but it's something we need to be reminded of. How do you know if you're a real servant if you get offended when you're treated like one? Right? What would happen if somebody come to you after church and say, Hey, there's a toilet. It's, it's clogged up in there. Here's a plunger. Come on, somebody. How you act in that moment will determine if you're a real servant. Now, the overwhelming majority of our people in their church right now grab that thing, take off, and do what needs to be done. But if you want to be the greatest in the eyes of God, if you want the favor of God, and if you want to really matter in God's kingdom, not for recognition, but to just I want to please God, then you've got to know I'm going to be a servant. And when I'm treated like a servant, I can't get puffed up and offended to act like I'm better than that. I'm a servant to all. Because a lot of times, on the inside, there's more of an entitled spirit. I'm too good for that. I don't have time for that. I'm not going to do that. That's someone else's deal. That's beneath me. But when Jesus got up and removed his outer garment, he revealed a humble heart of a servant on the inside. Something I've discovered is that God doesn't just care what you do, but he cares about the way you do it and why you do it. There are times when I do the right thing, but my heart's not right. You can do the right thing with the wrong heart and the wrong motives, and it's still wrong to God. You ever seen people go on mission trips for the photo ops? I want to be seen. I want pictures taken of me. They're there to be seen and to be recognized. Look how humble I am. (laughs) You ever dealt with false humility when somebody brags about how humble they are? (laughs) Look how humble I am. Look at me helping these poor people. You can do the right thing with the wrong motive, and you're wasting your time. If you've got to be recognized or seen or lifted up or rewarded by somebody on this earth, you are doing it for the wrong reason. A servant says, I don't need to be paid. I'm a servant. I don't need to be recognized. I'm a servant. I don't need to be up front in front of everybody. I'm a servant. Thank God that there are so many people in this church that have the heart of a servant. I want to continually work on that personally. I want to make sure that when I do things for God, I'm doing it with the right spirit the right motive, and the right heart. He got up, took off his outer clothing, put on a slave's apron, and he poured water into a basin. Once a quarter, our church gives away the highest honor that you can give in this church. It is the most prestigious honor in our community. In our community. This is the highest honor you can get in our church. It's called the servant's towel. We give this to somebody who oftentimes works behind the scenes. They're here maybe when nobody else is here. They're here and they don't often get recognized. They do what a lot of times nobody else wants to do. And they do it with the right heart and the right spirit. If you're here this morning and you've ever received one of our servant's towels, I want you to stand up. We've got a few today, a few recipients. Stand up. Brother Julio, I know I've given you one. You stand up, brother. I don't even want to stand up and get recognized when you get the service style. Let me tell you, y'all stay standing. Let me tell you something about these people. You ever notice something when we we reward and give this to them? We make a big deal. We stand up, we recognize them, and they should be honored. You don't ever see them walking up going, They're mad at me because I'm taking the time out of service to give them the servant's towel. And they walk up like this. That's the heart of a servant. A servant said, hey, we're here to glorify God. We're here to exalt God. This is what I'm called to do. I like serving people. It's my heart. It's in me. It's what I want to do. It brings me fulfillment. brings me joy. Can I tell you today, I pray to God that everybody in this church one day gets awarded the servant's towel because we all need to be servants. God bless you. He wrapped a towel around his waist. I won't go through all these one by one in detail, but I want to quickly go through them. He poured water into a basin. Four. He knelt down. He humbled Himself. He abased Himself. He washed the disciples' feet. He dried their feet with a towel. Now, it would be impossible for me to really explain to you how powerful and how literally shocking this would have been to the disciples in that moment. The miracle worker, the water walker, the light, the lamb, the lion, that in this formal Passover meal, a tradition that had been going on for generations to celebrate the faithfulness, forgiveness, and goodness of God, that he, of all people, began to wash their feet. I know I have been in services where a great man of God was preaching and at the end of his service, I felt such conviction. Man, i got to be better. Can you imagine the conviction that must have moved across that room as Jesus stood up and took his outer garment off, wrapped that towel around him, and knelt down in front of Judas? Brother, that's an altar call right there. That's an altar call. If you can't come to that altar call, you're toast. The conviction that must have moved through that room. Can you believe, and Luke tells us in his Gospel, that an argument had broke out among the disciples as who was the goat among them? Who was the greatest among them? Who's the most important person in the room? I don't know, maybe the Savior of the world? Maybe we should consider Him? It's amazing how humanity has not really changed. We can come to church and acknowledge and worship the king of kings, but still look around the room and wonder who's the most important person in the room. John must have thought, well, I'm the one Jesus loves. And I think it's funny in Scripture that John actually wrote that about himself. John, the disciple that Jesus loves. <laughs> All right. Imagine writing that about yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus, he really loves. He don't really love you guys. John, the one Jesus really loves. And then there's Peter going, who all has walked on water in this room? That's what I thought. Just checking. And then there's poor Bartholomew over there going, they don't don't even know I'm a disciple. (laughs) Like, When's the last time somebody preached about me? And so while arguing about who was the greatest of all time, Jesus looked across the room, and he saw two things, proud hearts and dirty feet. Proud hearts and dirty feet. So what did he do? He saw a need. Did he get up and talk about, oh, you sorry sinners, you no good for nothing disciples. Get it together. No, he saw a need, and he met it. He said, you know what? I got two hands. I can wash feet. This one's on me. I can do this. He got up, he knelt down, and he washed the disciples' feet. The living water, the good shepherd, the true vine, the bread of life, the light of the world, the living stone, the king of glory, the prince of peace, the righteous judge, the chosen one, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the alpha, the omega, the redeemer, the rock, the sanctification, the righteousness kneels down And wash his dirty feet. And I'm too good to volunteer for a ministry at church. (laughs) I for one need to pray today. Jesus showed his love to the end. Because there is no end to his love. It raises the question. Why didn't any of the disciples take the job? We can be fairly certain any one of them would have washed Jesus' feet. I mean, who doesn't want to wash Jesus' feet? But if they had washed his feet, then they would have felt obligated to wash everyone else's feet. That would be awkward. I just washed Jesus' feet and get up. And to wash everyone else's feet, now that's humiliating. That's a servant's job. I'm just going to be honest today. I appreciate all of the pastoral appreciation. You guys make me feel wonderful, and that's great. But I have a pastor too, and who don't like showing appreciation to your pastor? And uh, I have incredible people in this church, and and I could ask any one of you to probably do anything: wash car, mow the yard, and you'd happily do it for me. But you know what? Would you do it for one another? Would you wash one another's feet? You know what I love? I love when you, you know, appreciation. Who don't like appreciation? I mean, I, now you just, I got to pray more so I don't get all puffed up in my spirit. Thanks a lot. Needed to pray more. That's, that's all right. But you know what I love to see is when I see you serving one another. Man, that's what makes a pastor proud. When I see somebody in the church, hey, I got a situation. I, I, I'm moving and I got furniture that's too heavy and all of a sudden everybody's on vacation. All right now. I see somebody broke down in the parking lot and everybody acts like they're on the phone when they drive away. (laughs) Right? Come on somebody. Flat tire and you're like, I don't know who that is. The disciples would have gladly washed the feet of Jesus but a true servant says, I'll serve another servant too. I'll serve one that I know that may not deserve it or I may not even like, don't care anything about, but I'm a servant. So I don't get to pick and choose who I serve. A servant says this is who I am. It's not just what I do. It's not a job description. It's in my DNA. I'm a servant. And so where there is a need, where there is something that needs to be done, it don't matter who it is, I want to serve. I want to serve. Imagine the disciples just... Fast forwarding a little bit. After Jesus had ascended and gone to heaven. And them now knowing, in that moment they didn't know this, but now knowing after Jesus was gone, that Judas would be the one to betray him. And then they think back to this verse of scripture, and they were like, he knew that he was going to betray him, and he washed his feet. Who does that? Could you wash the feet of someone you knew was going to betray you? Nope, that's why I'm not the greatest of all time, he is. But the more I want to become like him, and the more I want to reflect him, and the more I want to show this world who he really is, the more I have to be more like him. And that means I serve everybody. I'm a servant to whoever God puts in my path, because he said, I'll wash the feet of my betrayer. That's what will change your life. In our pride, we often criticize with those with dirty feet instead of washing them. How many people have come into church and you're like, oh, here they are again. (laughs) I've seen what they've done this week. I mean, because let's be honest, social media now has us knowing what everybody does every day of the week. There are no secrets anymore. What are they doing here? Look at those dirty feet. Jesus could have said a whole lot of things about those disciples. He could have hung the dirty laundry out, brother, and every one of them would have been red-faced. He said, I'm not here to condemn or criticize. I'm not here to point that out. You know what I'm here to do? I'm here to wash feet. And when you come to church, that's what you ought to be willing to do. I'm here to serve people and love people and pray for people. I don't know what they got going on in their life. And even if I do, I'm not here to criticize or or tear them down or judge them. I'm here to help them get closer to God. I'm here to be a servant to them. I'm here to guide them closer to God. That's the heart of God. That's what the body of Christ should be. I know we recognized them earlier, but I'm so thankful for those that went into the homeless camp yesterday and were serving those uh, that were homeless. I was privileged yesterday to go, and I don't say that because I want you to know I was there, but I'm going to tell you it was life-transforming, and if you've never been, you need to go. Thank you, Sister Tyler and all of those that went with you yesterday. We went into this. Thank you. Beautiful. And to those of you that gave... Those of you that donated and we had buckets of things, thank you so very much. It was incredible to see those people that were so grateful and thankful for those that were there, uh, and it was amazing. It was, it was really, uh, uh, it was good for me, you know, as a pastor, sometimes you get insulated from all of that, so it was really good for me just to, to see, hey, this is, this is the real world. This is what's going on. I had one guy named Jimmy tell me, he said, Jimmy, I know you, he said, Pastor, I know you probably think we're all alcoholics and and drug addicts here, but he said, we can't even afford that. He said, it's not like I probably wouldn't be doing it. He said, but I can't afford it. He said, I can barely afford food. I walked away thinking, my God, I've got to be better. I don't thank God enough. I don't praise God enough. I'm too apathetic in my worship. I'm too unfaithful in my praise to God. I could just, in, in any moment, without the grace of God, I could be in a similar situation. And so it was amazing to see that. And I want to say thank you to all of those that were a part of that, that helped in serving those wonderful people but you know what it's not just those that are out there we're called to serve those that are in here because here's what I know sometimes it's easier to serve those out there because you don't know them and you feel bad for them. you're sympathetic and you as you should be and your compassion that's wonderful but sometimes we get too familiar with the people that are in our own church and we overlook them to go try to serve somebody else But I'm going to tell you what Galatians 6 and 10 says. As we therefore have opportunity, let us do good unto all men. That's wonderful. And it would be good if the verse ended right there, but it doesn't. It said, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. If you're going to do it for anybody, do it for somebody of the household of faith. Your brothers and your sisters you go to church with, you should love them and care for them and serve them if you're going to serve and help anybody. Who is the greatest? It's not about status it's about service. You need to learn to say this, I can do that. I can do that. Not I can do that the best. I can do that better than anybody else. I can just do it. It may not be the best. Somebody else might could do it better, but I can do that. We need booths for All Nations Sunday, next Sunday night, people to set booths up and show different nationalities and help out with that. Someone needs to say, I can do that. We need trunks for trunk and treat. We'll have seven or 800 people in this parking lot from our community that we're meeting. I don't want them to come out here and have five trunks. I can do that. That's something I can do. We need people to clean the church all the time. I can do that. Work in the nursery. Where's Macy? She's in the nursery this morning. Yeah, Macy's in the Nursery should be up here shouting, I can do that. We need people to hand out advertisements in the parade. We've got a beautiful float that we rented this year for the Fuquay Parade. Thousands of people will see this float advertising our children's presentation. We need people to hand out brochures and advertisements walking alongside the float. Did you walk into the building today? Are you able bodied? Do you walk around on your job? If the answer is yes to that, then the answer should also Yes, I can do that. Why? I'm a servant. We need maintenance around the church. I can do that. That needs to be something you learn to say. And I know many of you do. I'm affirming what you're already doing, and I'm thanking you for that. But if you don't say that enough, you need to say, I can do that. The Connect Desk out there, that's why it's there. Because if you ask the question, what can I do, they can answer that for you. And if you're a leader here today, and you're always coming to me asking for help, and you've not been by there to put a sheet of paper saying, this is what I need. Don't come to me. That's where you go. I can do that. Teach Bible studies. You can do that. You can do that. Greet at the front door. Work in the coffee shop. Join the choir. You can do that. The idea is I am a servant to God's people in whatever area that I can help or assist or be a servant. I want to do that. So you want to be great? Not just for greatness sake. But you want to be seen as favored by God, making God happy, pleasing God, and moving His kingdom down the road. Watch for a need, see a need, and meet it. Would you stand? I'm going to be honest with you. Here's the reality Will some people take you for granted when you serve? Yes. Will people take you for granted when you serve? Yes. You know what you do? Say it real loud. Some people will expect it. What do you do? Some people will never fully appreciate it. What do you do? Serve anyway. Because I can promise you, he was taken for granted. They expected it. And they certainly did not appreciate it. What did he do? He got up and he served. And so it is with us. Greatness in the kingdom of God is not about status. It is about serving. Because as I said earlier, it is impossible to love Jesus and not serve people. I'm reminded of a powerful story a large group of European pastors came to one of D.L. Moody's Northfield Bible conferences in Massachusetts in the late 1800s. Following the European custom of the time, each guest at this conference would put their shoes outside the room that they were staying to be cleaned by the hall servants overnight. And we need to get back to that custom. But of course the problem was this was America and there were no hall servants. And so walking the dormitory halls that night that timeless, powerful man of God D.L. Moody saw the shoes and was determined not to embarrass his brothers. He mentioned the need to some of the ministerial students flame you might say. Who were there but unfortunately he was met only with silence and excuses DL Moody returned to the dorm gathered up all of the shoes he was the designated speaker for the conference he was the VIP he was the man of the hour he goes back gathers up all of the shoes takes them into his room and begins to clean and polish them. Only the unexpected arrival of a friend in the midst of the work revealed his secret. When the foreign visitors opened their doors the next morning, there their shoes were, shined clean, looking great. They had no idea until later when his friend let the cat out of the bag that D.L. Moody had shined all of their shoes throughout the night. How do you become great in the kingdom of God? Not talent, not ability, not charisma, not status. Serving, serving. As Jesus removed pretenses in that moment, as he took out, took off that outer garment, removed all pretenses, humbled himself, defeated pride, and served others, so are we too called to put away all pretenses, all pride, what people may think or say, and say, you know what? I'm here to serve God. I'm here to serve God's people. I'm here to serve God's creation in whatever way that I possibly can to change this world and to get more people to heaven before he comes back we won't do it by impressing them with our talent or our ability we'll do it by being servants I want to be a servant today I want to be a servant today today's altar call is for servants Not for people with prestige or position. Not to people that are too proud. Not for people who say, I'm too good for that. Today is going to be an altar call of servants that say, God, I will do whatever needs to be done. If I see a need, I want to meet it. I I remove all pretenses and pride. I remove all things, God, that the devil tries to convince me of who I am. I'm nothing without you. I'm a servant. As they sing today, I open up these altars to those that would... Dedicate yourself to God and say, God, I want to be a servant. Help me to humble myself before you. As you exemplify, as you illustrated the heart of a servant today, forgive me, God, for my pride. Forgive me, God, for pretenses. Forgive me, God, for self-righteousness. to the heart of Jesus. Lift your hands, close your eyes, say, God, I want to be a servant Holy to your people. Spirit, break us. Come and
1: us. You're the one we're
0: living for. Make up in your mind right now, if I see a need, I'm going to meet it. Holy Spirit, lead us If I see something that needs to, to be done, I'm going to do it. In the Jesus. servant you want god to open up doors in your life lead and guide you be a servant today